Welcome to Redressing Weddings. I'm Ilya Parkins. For this episode, I sat down with Jay to hear about the sumptuous extravaganza that was their wedding to their partner, Kay. Jay's story is so joyful. It's about using the wedding as an opportunity. In this case, an opportunity to craft an event that reflected their love of clothing and style, and also brought their community together under that banner. What I love about it is how intentional and thoughtful all of it was, showing us how queer and trans people make use of their weddings to do all sorts of creative things, including strengthen and celebrate their communities and carving out a space where they feel completely at home. First, I'll let Jay introduce themselves. I'm a first-generation Filipino-American, and my understanding of my own gender has uh, really evolved over time and probably continues to evolve. Uh, but the closest I could say right now is that I am trans and non-binary. I don't feel like I'm not a woman. Like, that is still part of me, an important part of me. And it's how I was socialized, and I live those experiences, and they really resonate with me. But my gender is just kind of fluid and between, mostly. And as far as my orientation, I'd say you could use bi or pansexual. Uh, I feel a connection to both. I, I like the encompassing and less strictly defined term queer, though. Uh, so often I'll just say that I'm queer. Their wedding was a couple of years ago now, and they married Kay. My partner Kay and I met just before our freshman year together at Occidental College in Los Angeles. Uh, we both signed up for this pre-orientation program. And our group was meeting up at this like sculptural metal fountain that's at the front of our campus. And when I showed up, I saw Kay standing by himself in front of this fountain. And at the time, he had this like dyed platinum blonde hair with these dark blue streaks, which I thought was the coolest thing. And the sunset was like reflecting off the fountain onto them, just framing them. And I was like, whoa, that is the coolest person. I really want to get to know them. So... I went for it. I was I was super shy at the time, but I felt like I knew that Kay was worth putting myself out there for. Uh, yeah, and we fit together so well. Kay is just my favorite person. Uh, I always say that as long as we've got just the two of us, just beyond all of the outside problems and everything, like we're good. It's like the most basic core foundation of my life. They had a real sense, as you'll hear throughout this episode, of the wedding as an opportunity on every level. This was a rare chance for us to gather all these people that we love from all over the country, from different parts of our lives in one place at one time. And we really wanted to live in that. Uh, we wanted to really appreciate and feel that. So uh, with most of them flying in from other states, we needed accommodations for everyone anyway. So, you know, why not rent one awesome place, like almost like a home base for us where we could just house everybody. And, you know, we were so thrilled that everyone meshed really well together. It was almost like throwing together a bunch of people who were already friends. And all of those interstitial moments where were just really incredibly precious to us, like just staying up late, having chats like on the couch or in our PJs, like we were back in college or like cooking group breakfast together. So yeah, it wasn't just about the ceremony or even the wedding day to us. It was really about our love for each other and our chosen people and our connections. And, you know, it was it was a really cool house that we rented. So it was also just like having a really awesome environment to just all hang out in. This idea of the wedding as a chance to really connect with their people, to intentionally renew their community is so powerful. And they had a really precise sense of what they wanted the main event to be and what they wanted it to feel like. From the start, we knew that we wanted a small, intimate wedding. We ended up having about 50 people. 
Uh, I'd say the main thing about our wedding is we didn't want to be beholden to any norms, any rules, traditions, or expectations outside of what we chose for ourselves. Uh, we wanted a celebration that was deeply personal and true to ourselves and just absolutely joyful and fun. Uh, we're not big partiers in general, so our reception was less of a dance party and more of a lounge vibe with like a pianist, lots of board games and even lawn games, and lots of just good conversation hanging out. It was it was a gathering with a lot of warmth and heart, I think. You know, we wanted everything about our wedding to be personal and intentional and done in a way that made us really happy as much as we could manage it. So I kind of took on that role of spearheading and orchestrating it all. I asked Jay what it was like to try to realize this vision of their wedding as a queer person. Honestly, it felt like trying to pioneer my way through the wedding industrial complex. Like, I'm I'm far from the only queer non-binary person to get married, obviously, but I think maybe everybody who identifies similarly and is planning their wedding is a little bit of a pioneer every time. That's just how it is. I'm really thankful that I didn't personally encounter any hostility during the process, but I think it definitely helped that this was something that we had anxiety around and worked carefully to avoid. You have to really do a lot of reaching out, taking initiative, putting yourself out there, even if you haven't been clearly invited to and you're not certain how it'll turn out. We realized pretty quickly that hiring a planner was not going to work for us because we just wanted things that were too niche or specific, not outrageous, like impossible things, but just things people don't usually do. So not only do we have marginalized identities that we needed our vendors and collaborators to understand, but we also were looking at every detail and really examining how we wanted to approach it, uh, which often turned out to be something a little unorthodox. Here Jay brings up something that's so important that's come up over and over as we talked with dozens of queer and trans people about their weddings. All the work that comes with ensuring that its most meaningful day honors who they are. For them, that vision was really specific. Here's how they describe it. Well, we had so many ideas for the wedding while we were just brainstorming and throwing around concepts. But what we eventually landed on was this idea of Royal Queer Met Gala. So Kay and I are both artists and creatives. And honestly, we just really love and are really into aesthetic. Like that sounds kind of pretentious to say, I think. But really, it boils down to a basic feeling of we like stuff that's appealing, interesting, and fun in visual and sensory ways. Royal Queer Met Gala, I love that. And needless to say, it was a vision that put clothing front and center. Clothing and style became a huge facet of our wedding. Partly, it's because I'm personally super invested in style. And a lot of that comes directly from my queerness. As I grew older and was able to have more and more control over the clothing that I wore, I was able to really examine what I truly wanted to be wearing and how I wanted to present myself to the world. So that really allowed me to feel comfortable and really feel like myself. And weddings inherently involve special clothing, right? So whether you're going with like traditional wedding attire or you're dressing in a full costume, or even if you're just going casual, you're making a choice in how you want to present during this significant event for you. And I really believe that good style is expression and empowerment. So we were really set on feeling at our peak on our big day. And we wanted our uh, our wedding court, we called it, our just one big combined wedding party of 
all of our mutual, just dearest friends and family to feel their best as well. And we wanted our guests to feel that way. And we did a lot of that through how we approached the style. Most of us don't often push the envelope with our clothing unless we're specifically invited to, I think. So we were like, you know, well, we're, we're inviting you to, we want you to. We kind of thought like there's, there's a power outfit out there for everyone and we want you to try to find it. So essentially we had a note saying that on our invitations and on our site. And we had a page on our site with different sections where I kind of explained a little bit about the kinds of style possibilities that are out there for our guests to explore. It was like sort of like a little primer on how we were conceiving of style for this wedding and how to go about experimenting and putting an outfit together yourself in that spirit of expression that we were encouraging. I included some galleries of inspiration pictures to help people kind of visualize. I linked to a Pinterest board that I made. And at times I worried this was like over the top or demanding too much of our guests. We really didn't want to force it. We just wanted to make it clear that we were welcoming it and to be helpful if people wanted to try it. And a lot of our guests did. I was really happy with how they dressed up and accessorized. One of my friends even made a jacket to wear like herself. I was really impressed with it. What I love about this story is that it not only recognizes the power of clothing for J and K as the people getting married, but it sees that power as a kind of gift they can give to other people too, the people they love and care for. So far from being a selfish vision that asks their wedding court and guests to dress to the nines to align with their ideal, it's a vision that extends that power to other people, that really sees the wedding again as an opportunity for everybody. This is truly a part of the wedding where we all put tons of work into it and love, but also it was like the stars kind of aligned to make this happen so perfectly. I mean, there's a lot involved in making that kind of a wedding party happen. But the first and maybe most important step is having friends like ours that actually enjoy and embrace your concept and are excited to make it happen with you. Like there's there's kind of no just uh, sitting back with this kind of a thing. It's like you really want them to be people who are like pumped about this because it's a lot of collaboration, a lot of back and forth, uh, bouncing ideas off each other researching, trying things out, and finalizing everything. Then the next step is to communicate your concept. So just all of the possibilities that are on the table and kind of what you're asking of them. Because uh, this is not how wedding parties traditionally dress, right? Currently, at least here in the U.S., the most common thing is to basically pick one dress for all your bridesmaids, you pick the suit for all your groomsmen, and then you kind of just dress everyone in that according to their sizing. But what we were trying to do was so far from that, uh, what we were aiming for. Uh, we were really just wanting to open those possibilities up and forget about all of these norms of binary gendered clothing or having everyone match outfits or even just wearing what we think of as the standard appropriate types of clothing for a wedding party. We were really hoping to extend an invitation for everyone to really think about what they wanted to wear and how they wanted to look when we weren't enforcing the usual things. And in some ways, that was a big ask because it requires a way more involved process, like I said, than a wedding party would usually expect. But in other ways, it was so open. We wanted to give them a ton of freedom. So what we asked was that they arrange an outfit aligning with their color concept of like deep, rich jewel tone blues and reds with gold accents. And we asked that they wear their interpretation of something dressy. But other than that, it was kind of like, just go for it. Yeah, I, 
I definitely got way into putting together resources for them. Like our wedding Pinterest is this enormous, but like meticulously organized thing with all these like different boards. And one huge section is just dedicated to inspiration that I gathered for the wedding cord. And what about them? What about Jay and Kay and what they envisioned themselves wearing? I knew that I wanted to suit. I always have, uh, even before I ever pictured having a wedding, I, I'm not someone who ever dreamed about white gowns as a kid. Uh, and then as an actually engaged adult throwing my own wedding, uh, by that time, I wanted a certain level of suit. I wanted a really nice suit that looked sharp and clean and like, hey, that person has style and they know what they want. And then what I didn't anticipate years before was that uh, I didn't want only the suit. I wanted an outfit with layered elements. I wanted to accessorize. Uh, I wanted to carefully curate every detail of my look. I wanted to include elements that felt kind of premium and luxe, like capes are capes are such a romantic garment, I think. Like not not in the sense of like love, but you know, adventure, mystery, like heroics, that kind of thing. And I figured, hey, let's really treat ourselves. Like let's each splurge on commissioning one sort of hero accessory, like the accessory that stands out and just takes our outfits to the next level. And the more I thought about it, like the more I kept asking myself, like, what if I had a cape? The more I realized like, oh yeah, I want a cape. As Jay helped us explore in an earlier episode, though, suits for non-binary people, for trans men, and for women are anything but straightforward. Even though this suit was the base, like the core of my outfit, and it was the earliest part of it that I knew that I wanted, uh, it was a long and difficult process to source it. And I'm from California, and I have a lot of ties to New York, but I've been a Midwestern, proudly Minnesotan queer for just shy of a decade now. And so far, there are no queer-owned, queer-catering, suiting clothiers here in feasible distance from me. So that's the difficulty that we encountered. Uh, Even though we're very privileged to have had the disposable income to end up paying for custom suits, uh, doing so through one of the queer clothiers that I love, like as much as we deeply wanted to do it, it was just not doable for us. So... I had to get very hands-on and persistent about making our suits happen. I explored tons of options, buying suits online and finding a tailor. But like I said, all of that is really tough to do. But ultimately, I was fortunate after all of this research and emailing and reaching out to businesses to find King Brothers Clothiers in Minneapolis. And they are not queer-owned or queer-centered. But when I emailed them upfront with questions, they were very open and friendly and professional. Uh, And they said they did have some experience with queer and trans clients. They're a fully custom business. They don't do off the rack. So they really believe in the power of custom tailoring to fit all individual bodies. So that was a great experience for us. Jay and Kay designed their suits together and they were really playful with it. They incorporated some amazingly thoughtful and intricate details that linked their two ensembles. We really wanted to each stand out with our looks, but at the same time, we wanted our looks to complement each other and just reflect how we complement each other in you know, our partnership. So we put a lot of elements that either matched each other or echoed each other. Kay's main color was blue and mine was red. So those are very different colors and gave us a nice like striking contrast. But we also used those colors to unify our outfits as well. Like I said, it helped that our suits were both done by King Brothers. So you know, we booked a double appointment, came in, designed each of our suits like one after the other 
Kay went with a blue fabric for his suit, and I went with a red jacket, black trousers. Uh, but then the beautiful thing about fully custom suiting is there's so many options for personalizing the details, and suits have a lot of details potentially. So that's kind of where we built in our little nods to each other's looks. Kay gave his blue suit a red paisley lining, and I gave my red suit a nearly matching paisley lining that was blue. And our, our pocket squares were also made of the same the same fabric and we did similarly with other suit details like most of the stitching on each of our suits matches our base colors so blue thread for the blue suit red for red but it's a common sartorial detail to have contrast accent stitching on some of the details so for example the the row of buttons on your sleeve cuff you may choose to have the last buttonhole the one closest to your wrist use a different colored thread from the rest. So we did that. We used each other's color for the accent stitching on our own suits. Our accessories, we did a mix of matching, complementing, and contrasting again. Our lapel pins were the same. Uh, we both wore these gold watches with mother of pearl style faces. Our boots were from the same company, but he did espresso leather with his, that it was like this cool woven texture. And I did a black textile with this cool gold floral pattern. His necktie was mainly red. It was kind of multicolored, but red was the main color there. And I actually ended up, I dyed my hair dark blue for the wedding. What's also so striking about the outfits they arranged, aside from their suits, were their sort of statement pieces. Jay's was a cape. I wanted the cape to feel luxurious, not as inexpensive, but more of indulgent and just very pleasing visually and texturally. I loved the idea of a brocade fabric, details like embroidery or applique. I wanted something that had a little bit of weight to it as well. I'm a fan of all capes, but a side cape feels a little bit dashing or kind of roguish to me. It reminds me of like musketeers. And I like the asymmetry of it too. So that's something I wanted in my look. My designer was uh, Samantha Ray, and she was fantastic to collaborate with on the whole concept and all of the details. I'm someone who, when I'm really into an idea, just deep dives into it and loves to live in all those details and try to really form a vision. So I made not just a Pinterest board, but an actual almost like old school inspiration board with just all of the elements that I wanted worked into the cape with my little notes written onto it. I sent that over to Samantha and thankfully she's someone that's on the same wavelength as me who wasn't like, whoa, this is, this is overboard, calm down. But uh, instead was like, yes, I love this energy. Show me what you really want. Let's discuss how to make it work. It was a really fun process. We went shopping locally for all of the textiles uh, and gathered all the different embellishments and trim. She was really thoughtful. She, she actually sewed these magnets in also that allowed me to sort of hold my cape back slightly to reveal the blue lining underneath without having to worry about it just falling over constantly. And it was so wonderful to hear from Jay how it felt to wear this really spectacular ensemble on the day of their wedding. The suit alone was wonderful. Again, it's the first and so far only time I've ever had a suit made for me, uh, when I've just loved the look and idea of suits my whole life. So it really fulfilled for me what suits are meant to do when they're done right. They fit closely, but not tightly. They move smoothly. Uh, it straightened my posture, and it really gave me a feeling of confidence. And then everything else on top of that, on top of the suit, just each piece that I put on, I think really made the outfit feel more like me. Uh, the cape obviously was a huge element, but also just the boots, the watch, the bow tie, the lapel pin, the jewelry, and the makeup and nails felt so good and 
really felt beautiful. And that was probably the most pleasantly surprising part for me. My relationship with femstyle is complicated because, you know, while it was forced on me growing up and I wasn't able to express my masculine style, I really chafed under that. But I actually love femstyle. Embracing it for myself is this long, gradual process because there's a lot for me to work through there. But I think my most authentic, ideal personal style is very much fluid. And I'm working towards incorporating more femme elements into my style. But at the moment, I still don't really do that as much as I'd like. Every time that I've been required to wear makeup before, I had never felt good about it. I did not feel like myself, let alone feeling beautiful. It was just really uncomfortable and awkward. So my wedding was the first time I ever felt great about wearing makeup because it was on my terms. I trusted my stylist. We talked through the concept while she was applying it. And I wasn't restricted to any gender or traditional makeup norms. Honestly, I, I was like, I want to look like a beautiful tropical bird and I want magical color shifting nails. And she gave me that. So it really just felt like, you know, art and expression, which is what makeup is at its core. I love this. Jay's feeling comfortable in femme style for the first time in their life is such a great illustration of how the wedding offers an opportunity to not only wear, but also feel things that aren't always available to us in our everyday life. I think Jay really captures that when they tell us more about how they felt in the cape specifically, a blend between everyday and out of the ordinary. It felt amazing. It felt, it felt somehow both very special, but also surprisingly normal, because it felt like I was dressed up in, you know, full regalia, and it was... It really was this empowered, confident, like queer royal persona that I'd been envisioning, but it also didn't feel like costume in the sense of like, this is pretending or this is kind of contrived pageantry, if that makes sense. I love a good themed costume wedding, like a, a Ren Faire medieval concept or a fandom wedding. Just anything that the couple really loves and is passionate about is great to me. Uh, but for us, it wasn't really like, let's recreate something that's out there. It was just, let's celebrate everyone's individual creativity through clothing. Let's let's celebrate the, the royalty, that kind of shine that's just inherent to every queer person. So the cape felt perfect. It was so well made. It was super pretty and lush. And it was just really fun to like swish it around. Such queer joy. It's so wonderful to hear. And it sounds like that feeling is recorded and always accessible in the photos that they have from that day. Yeah, I... I love looking back at um, all of our photography. Uh, looking at it just makes me feel pure joy. I feel like I'm seeing all of my friends and all of my loved ones as their authentic selves at their brightest. I remember all of just the sheer work and love and teamwork that went into making that wedding happen, all the support. It's uh, kind of wild to think that at one point it was all just ideas that I had in my head. Uh, so I'm really grateful to everyone that they just embraced this and helped make it actually happen. It's kind of like, I still can't believe that we pulled that off in a way. And, you know, seeing us with our court just all lined up next to each other like that, just looking stunning, just laughing and smiling with our arms around each other. I feel that, I really feel that bond between us. I really feel that we're a group of people whose connections really do uplift each other and just bring out the best and the most beautiful parts of each other. Jay makes this great connection here between clothes and community. Clothes aren't trivial. Wedding clothes in particular aren't trivial. What's important about Jay's story is the way they let the sheer gorgeousness of the wedding and their clothes uplift them, and not only them, but all of their friends and family. 
So it's a story that reminds us how important style has been for queer people in making us feel whole and joyful and cherished. And I don't think we could end this series on a more suitable note than that. Redressing Weddings is produced by Ilya Parkins and Kenya Gutteridge. Editing is by Kenya Gutteridge. The podcast is supported by funding from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. Our deep thanks go to all participants for sharing their stories.